welcome to the Interesting Football Podcast. My name's Laurie Knox and I'm joined by former Tufty Club member Simon Day as we decide whether Newcastle United are the most interesting team in the English Premier League. Simon Day, how are you and what do you first think of when you hear the name Newcastle United? Uh, I'm very good, thank you. Uh, Newcastle, you can't you can't think of Newcastle United without thinking of like the 90s Keegan teams that were just like the great entertainers, weren't they? It's like a big old cliche, but they, they I'm probably forgetting a couple of teams, but they were as entertaining as Premier League football got, weren't they? They were like, we'll score five, you score four and we'll get three yeah. points. Kevin Keegan, for me, was kind of like, you know, I always like my boxing analogies. For me, he's like the Amir Khan of uh, of the football world. Like, it's just literally attack, attack, attack. Don't worry about the defence. Like, I'll, I'll just beat them on attack. And um, unlike Amir Khan, I think he got found out at the, at the top level. Yes, you, you would. I know there's obviously the famous 5-0 against Man U, but generally speaking, they did get found out in, like, the big games, didn't they? Hence why they never actually won a trophy. Right, found that in the big games and also kind of in the long run, like you say, yeah, any, anyone can beat Man U 5 0. Anyone can get those, uh, those, have those good days, those good afternoons, but yeah, to do it consistently at the top. I mean, to be fair, probably being a bit harsh, they, they were very close to winning the league on one, yes. maybe two occasions. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they were a good side, but um, Keegan, uh, Keegan was a motivator rather than a, uh, rather than a tactician, right? Yes, although I do like Keegan in the sense that both at Newcastle and um, England, he quit and essentially fessed up to not being good enough. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair he, enough. Can't complain. He, he quit in the tunnel after England lost to Germany at Wembley. Um, it was the last ever game at Wembley. And he just he just basically said, I'm not good enough for this, so I'm going to quit. <laughs> Which I've got to admire his honesty, haven't you? I mean, I, I couldn't see like a manager now. I can't think of any manager in the Premier League at the minute who would do that and just say I'm not up to it. No, no. I mean, two stories for me that sum up Keegan. One about his uh, his tactical ability or lack of. Um, it, it was the classic about how you can't practice penalties, which is obviously one of the stupidest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what the the whole thing being, of course, that when when you're the the drama. The, the pressure of a match day situation you can't you can't recreate that in training so what's the point which is obviously absolutely idiotic because you can then take that into any sport no point practicing yeah. darts no you know tiger woods now i won't bother practicing so you know it's, it's not the same as being in a big tournament so there's that one but on the flip side about keegan being one of the best motivators of all time i remember one of the fullbacks at manchester city talking about how, you know, he was, he was kind of a decent player. Um, I can't remember who it was. He was kind of like, you know, uh, not, but Keegan one time before before a big match, uh, pulled him to one side in the tunnel, put his arm around him and was talking about how, you know what, we've got these scouts from all over Europe, Juventus, Barcelona, and I know they're coming here to watch you. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I know you're the best left back in the, in Europe, if not the world. And, he, you know, he just gave him this big talk. He said by the end of it, he just ran himself into the ground. He, you know, he ran every extra yard for Keegan. It's just like, yes, he's my boy, he's my boy. So, yeah, you know, great motivator, not a great tactician. It's just occurred, having you just mentioned about practising penalties, it's just occurred to me, I've just recalled that when I used to play like under 11, under 10 football, a key part of training every week would be everyone taking three or four penalties. <laughs> what was the point of that? 
Indeed. <laughs> what what circumstance is going to arise in the game when <laughs> everyone's going to be? We didn't have penalty shootouts back then. There was no way in the world I was going to be asked to take a penalty. Yeah, right. every training session involved me practicing penalties. <laughs> explain that one, Kevin. Indeed, indeed. So, Mr. Day, why don't you explain fact number one to us? Fact number one uh, is another another dabble with the um, potential celebrity owners that we talked about before with um, Colonel Gaddafi and P. Diddy at Crystal Palace. Um, Newcastle United in the early 2010s were strongly linked with a buyout from none other than Vince McMahon. Wow, that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome, wouldn't it? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't. This wasn't just a internet rumor. It was reported in a few reputable sources, including the Guardian, um, that he wanted to buy Newcastle United and move a couple of games over to the US every season, um, and also have best of all a wrestling match at halftime every week. That would have been the single greatest halftime entertainment of all time. That that would have just been amazing. Well, I, I think it might have been the single greatest entertainment of all time, let alone <laughs> halftime. I think it, it might have blown the match out of the water on various occasions. But how good would that be? You know, I, I think back to, you know, went back to my first Wednesday game, well, first game at Hillsborough for a long time, Wednesday Ipswich last Saturday. And, you know, at half time, it's got a wrestling ring onto the centre circle. <laughs> one one guy in a Wednesday shirt, one guy in an Ipswich shirt. And they just go for it. I mean, that would be amazing. That would probably be the best atmosphere of the, the whole afternoon. It would be, yeah. I, I guess it was the danger of it. It would actually sort of um, outshine the actual match. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd end up with people going just for the wrestling match. Right. And obviously there would be a kick clash between Newcastle United and the referee. There is uh, that. There is in that. In the wrestling, but so. Thing is, though, would it be fake like WWE? Because, you know, then presumably they're always just going to let the home team win, which would be, yeah, no, I'd rather have two guys actually fighting. I'm sorry, are you talking about the wrestling or the football match? <laughs> the wrestling. <laughs> I did wonder if McMahon got involved in football, would he look to sort of turn it into sports entertainment? So, like, every week. Every football match would just be an amazing, like, seven-all thriller, or there'd be amazing comebacks. <laughs> just incredible incidents every week. Yeah, I, I wonder, would you would you still watch that? Well, um, <laughs> you know it's fake. It's going to be amazing every week, but you know it's fake. But I've got no, I've got no idea what's going to happen. No, nobody does. So it's just, it's oh. just like WWE. Basically, you go into it, no idea what's going to happen. It's uh, it's fake, and let's just for the for the benefit of this uh, hypothetical, let's just say like it, it looks real. It's not like wrestling where you see the missing punches by a yard. I mean, it, it all looks real. And, you know, for the naked eye, you think it's just a regular football match. It's brilliantly choreographed. <laughs> no, I mean, there's some seriously good acting going on in this. Um, I I don't know, but then well, why is that like Dream Team or Jossie's Giants or something? Essentially, that's what I'm doing then, isn't it? I'm yeah, paying 30 quid to watch some actors <laughs> football match. <laughs> Which, yes. And also, hmm. we, my, my um, kids are going to have no effect on the. It doesn't really matter, does it? Well, WWE has people like holding up signs and, uh, and, and attacking wrestlers as they, as they walk in and out. I mean, the, well, they I, get I, see me, I mean, I haven't watched wrestling for a good couple of decades. But it used to be quite sort of. 
offensive and sort of sexual. A lot of the, um, well, a lot of the characters were, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. You know, some quite racist caricatures. Um, I think that, I think you definitely get quite a bit of homophobia in the, um, uh, you know, some of the insults that were being traded, things like that. Well, yeah, I think any character that wasn't American was automatically a baddie. <laughs> that was British bulldog. I think he he was. I watched it a lot. I think it was in 92. I had one year where I just absolutely loved it. And then I fell out of luck because, you know, even though it's a bit like, you know, oh, Santa Claus, I know he's not real, but could he be, you know, and, and even though it quite clearly was fake, there's just that little bit of me, but maybe it's a bit, maybe. And, and then yeah. they had that guy called Papa Shongo who came in and started winning matches by doing voodoo. And that's when I was like, okay, that, that, that's when I was like, no, I've had it. Even at the age of 12 or 13, I was like, no, no, I'm done. I'd love to see that in football. <laughs> oh, Vince are McMahon. You, are, you, are you familiar with um, Voodoo Shark? The concept of Voodoo Shark? I'm not. So, Voodoo, have you watched Jaws 4, The Revenge? Nope. Right, it's, it's Michael Caine's in it, weirdly. But basically, it's it's another Jaws film. But it's set on the other side of America. But the shark has followed the family round America. And it's terrorising them on the other coast. Damn. And it's not explained at all. But for some... but I, I, don't, I don't know if it happens as much now. But there, there then was a novelisation of this film, Jaws for the Revenge. And in the novelisation, the explanation the author gave was it was due to voodoo. <laughs> well, there was a voodoo it was all curse. a dream, like the classic primary <laughs> story ending. There was a voodoo curse on the family... And that meant the shark could follow them around the coast. Nice. But he never actually followed through on this or explained it at all. It's just what happened. So then subsequently, the term voodoo shark is used um, by like in like TV and film for when the writer or director, whatever, comes up with a ludicrous concept, but then, did, but then does nothing whatsoever to back it up. Hmm. It's just like, it's a solution to something. It's like in it's like in Who Done It when they come up with someone who's done it, but you're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense, does it? And they never actually explain why he's done it or how right. he's done it. It's just, it's, yeah, he just did it. <laughs> yeah, that's not... um, right. But Papa Shango, see, my my um, WWF knowledge is from a more like the late nineties when I was at university. Um, he, oh. he used to be on he used to be on the TV when we were at university. Who who who'd been in the heyday then? This was like, like the Rock, like the Rock oh, and um, okay. Steve Austin and Triple H. This was like, I think the um, the Undertaker was about then. Oh yeah, he, he spans decades, doesn't he? I think he was. Like... But his gimmick, I mean, you you talk about Papa Shango's gimmick being ludicrous. The Undertaker's gimmick was that he was actually dead. <laughs> <laughs> which, <laughs> which, which to be honest, voodoo sounds pretty legit, doesn't? It? Uh, I love that the Undertaker's manager's name was Paul Bearer, which was just a fantastic. That's brilliant. Yeah, that that is actually pretty good, isn't it? That is pretty good. It was so good that I remember when I was watching at the age of twelve, saying like, "It's really weird how they all have strange names, but that Paul Bearer guy just goes by his own name." And then uh, <laughs> I think it was my brother who explained it to me. No, you idiot. That's a... <laughs> but there we go. Anyway, enough about me being stupid as a twelve-year-old, and let's have the quiz. Let's see how stupid you are. Um, you're. We're currently two behind on the quizzes. We've got, yeah. I think, quite a nice one for you today. 
Um, uh, par is not 10, sorry, it's out of 10. You've got 10 possible answers. I've said, I think, a fairly generous par of six. And we're talking about Bobby Robson, who's a legend of the uh, the club this show is about. So that should give you one of the, the 10 answers. Um, Bobby Robson has played for or managed 10 different teams. Who are those 10 different teams, Mr. Day? You have 60 seconds. Your time starts now. I have no idea who Bobby Robson played for, so I'm going to have to stick to managing here. Um, Newcastle United. Boom, there's one. Yes. England. Two. Ipswich. Three. And then you went Barcelona. Four. PSV. Oh, well done. There's five. I know he managed in Portugal, so I'm going to say Benfica. Not Benfica. Uh, Porto. Yeah, you've got another Portuguese team. Uh, Sporting Lisbon. Oh, there we go. Seven. You, you've done <laughs> it already. You've got 20 <laughs> seconds to go. Three teams he played for. Um... I've no idea who he played for. No idea who he played for. Um, who else did he manage? Um, I haven't a clue. I said Ipswich, didn't I? Yeah, I haven't it a clue is. who he managed. Ipswich was directly before England, wasn't it? It was indeed. And no. we're all I've done, I've done my job, I don't care. You did, you did indeed. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Um, so you missed that. Yeah, team, the two teams you played for in England, Fulham and West Brom. I mm-hmm. think you might have managed West Brom. Um, I have to double check that one though. And also in Canada, uh, Vancouver Royal Canadians, of course, obviously. How did you miss that? Oh, uh, got it. Anyway, got it. anyway. So, Mr. Day, well done. You're now only one behind. You've, uh, oh, who's next week? Oh, next week's going to be Norwich. Okay, right. So, we'll see how you do that. Mr. Day, number two. Fact number two is uh, as Newcastle United manager, Joe Kinnear. Served a touchline ban that spanned five years. How? Because it's a good question. Because he picked up the touchline ban in 2004 whilst he was manager of Notts Forest. Um, he got a ban after a game at Gillingham in which he called the referee, and I quote, Coco the Clown. That got him a touchline ban, which seems a bit harsh, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, but he got a touchline ban. He subsequently got sacked from the Knott's Forest job and wasn't involved in football for five years, at which point the, again inverted commas, Cockney Mafia at Newcastle, um, which I think involved Mike Ashley and Dennis Wise, didn't it? Um, they decided five years after Joe Kinnear had managed in football to get Joe Kinnear back involved and made him caretaker manager. Unfortunately, at this point, the FA got involved and said, actually, Joe, you've still got a touchline ban. So if your first game is Newcastle manager, you can't go on the, in the dugout. So we had to go in the stand. Um, his phone wouldn't work. So apparently he had a bit of a tantrum, smashed his phone on the floor and tried to get down to the dugout, at which point the referee got the police involved and shepherd him, shepherd, had to shepherd him away from the dugout. Um, and that was his first game as Newcastle manager. Oh, I mean, wow. What, what a way to introduce yourself to the, the home fans. Indeed. Led away by police. Led away by police from the actual dugout. So, well done, Joe. He, uh, Chef Wednesday fans remember him for a couple of reasons. One, when we got relegated, uh, he was heavily tipped. I think, yeah, no, no, I think he definitely had talks uh, with taking over at Hillsborough. 
um, and which obviously didn't get the job. And about a year before that, um, he had a heart attack just before Wimbledon played at Hillsborough. So there we go. Well, he then, whilst he was manager at Newcastle, he had another heart attack and it meant he had to um, step down after about two months. That's a pretty solid um, effort. Two two heart attacks are still going. I mean, that's you'd feel well, invincible yeah. after that, wouldn't you? Or, or you'd change your diet. One, one or the other. <laughs> There's probably an issue there. I think Kinnear was sort of when he was you're saying he was linked with your job. I think when he was Wimbledon manager, he was pretty highly regarded, wasn't he? Because he did he did a pretty good job at Wimbledon. Right. And I think he he was one of these managers like Kirbishly, wasn't he? He was always in the in the in the running for um, bigger mm. jobs. He'd be like 12 to 1 full favourite, but he never actually got the big job. Uh, he he probably threw his hat into the ring on a various occasions, but he never actually got the right. big job. But um, going back to this, the reason he got the ban was a game I actually was at and can remember quite well. It was, um, we beat Notts Forest 2-1 at Priestfield and Joe Kinney was not happy because the referee had a complete shocker in our favour. Um, there were various decisions. The main one I recall was when a young Andy Reid was through on goal for Forest. Our manager, player manager, Andy Hessenthaler, rugby tackled him, like literally full length, put his arms around his lower legs and hauled him to the floor, um, which earned him a yellow card from the referee, yeah. um, which Joe Kinnear was not very happy about. But he could have... Um, after getting the ban, he could have picked up some tips from Hessenthaler on what to do if you get a touchline ban. Because Andy Hessenthaler, when he was player manager, when he got a touchline ban, he would just name himself as a substitute subsequent games, meaning he could still sit on the bench. Fantastic. So he could warm up and do well, the whole shebang. Yeah, well, not only stay on the bench, but he could, yeah, he could run up and down the touchline giving out advice. That now, is I'm a not, phenomenal I'm not saying... idea. I'm not saying Joe Kinnear, especially after his heart attack, could have legitimately named himself as a substitute for Newcastle United. What? <laughs> but, what are you in this day and age, you've got nine subs yeah. away in the Premier League. You know, why doesn't, um, I don't know, Sam Allardyce or some other unlikely punter... Uh, Who's uh, the most Sam unlikely substitute? <laughs> Roy Hodgson, there we go. Why doesn't he name himself yes. as... Roy Hodgson is good. Phenomenal. <laughs> Roy Hodgson has got to be the winner of the manager who'd make the most unlikely substitute in the Premier League. I'm now, I'm now thinking of Roy Hodgson just wearing this kind of like 1950s style, really sh- yeah, one of those like really heavy jerseys and just kind of like slowly, uh, slowly jogging up and down the pitch. But, uh... but I think, I think he'd do a very upright jog, like quite a comedic <laughs> upright jog. I think Roy Hodgson would do. A man who has excellent posture, unlike me. There we go. Yeah, I, th- I think he is. I think right. That's I think a fantastic one. I like that one. I like that one. And uh, let's connect to our bizarre fan this week. Who is? Who is? You'll never guess who it is. Is it Ant? It's uh, Abisit Vegajiva. No, no. He is the ex prime minister. Sorry, prime minister of Thailand. He was the PM from 2008 to 2011. Newcastle fan because he was born in Wall's End. Um, he has been um, photo Newcastle shirts on quite a few occasions. Um, yeah, his parents, I'm not sure what his parents were, uh, but yeah, they lived in the Newcastle area. So yeah, he grew, he was born there. So obviously pretty 
because he went to Eton and, uh, and, and Oxford and, and that scene. Uh, there we go. So he's a, he's a legit fan of Newcastle United and he was the uh, leader, leader of Thailand. I like to think he had a, he's got a really thick Geordie accent, but I suspect <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> he's got a really thick Geordie accent, but he speaks Thai. I, I remember when Chris Waddle, there's a feature, yeah. this video that came out, Waddle, the French connection, I think it was. It was about his, <laughs> it was about his three years at Marseille. And um, it was being interviewed for it. He was speaking Geordie in a French accent. It was just... Just, it was one of the weirdest things I've ever heard. I'm not going to do anybody that Chris Watt or the people of France a disservice of trying to speak Geordie in a French accent, but it was beautiful. I mean, if you want to try and say why I'm an, in a uh, in a French accent, go. For it. Yeah, we'll move on. Um, I, you, you saying that the video of. Um... Waddle's time in France was called the French Connection. Yeah. I, without even looking it up, I can be ninety nine percent certain that there was a video of either David Platt or Paul Gascoigne's time in Italy called the Italian Job. <laughs> that, that, that's that's, that's got to be a fact, doesn't it? <laughs> the video was called the French Connection. Otherwise, um, yeah, uh, I've mugged him off there. But uh, oh, just looked up the French way. There we go. I've, uh, I've well, my... well, your title is better. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I've uh, got <laughs> the, my pizza. The French way crap, that doesn't mean anything. Um, no. doing, uh, I'm assuming our, our Thai friend isn't sort of a, to use wrestling terminology, a baddie in the sense that Osama Bin Laden and Kim Jong-un <laughs> are. Or, or Papa Shang. <laughs> or Gaffney or Ketley or any of that lot. Um, no. I'm not sure about his politics, to be honest. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay clear of that one. Uh, I'm going to ask you, though, how about other world leaders? Because obviously we've spoken before about David Cameron did the mm, whole yeah. support Aston Villa and then used and claims he supported West Ham and then said it was a mistake because they've got the same colour kits. You know, pretty dubious no. about how hardcore fan you are if you, if you forget which team you support because they've got the same colour kit as another. But... <laughs> Um, any, any other? I mean, Tony Blair was a Newcastle fan. Any other? Think of. Well, I, I can't imagine. Any, I think he still is prime minister. I can't imagine Johnson is a football man. I can't. No. I'm not having that. John Major was a big Chelsea fan, wasn't he? Yeah, as was at the same time as was David Miller, wasn't he? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> what the rumour? Because he was involved in the toe sucking incident, wasn't he? Yes. Wasn't the was he wearing his Chelsea shirt at the time? Yes. Was that a fact? Is that urban myth or is that actual? I, I'm sure, I mean, obviously, this is a long time ago. So, but from what from what kind of it was, it's kind of accepted that yes, David Meller um, relations with was it with a prostitute? I think so. Yeah, was, she, was she had like an Italian name. I, mean, I, I can't remember. Yeah. Either way, uh, an extramarital. Um, whilst wearing a Chelsea shirt. With Commodore on the front around that time? I'd, have... I'd like to think there was a mirror and he was celebrating as well. But Because uh... <laughs> <laughs> now I'm actually picturing it and I want to vomit a little bit. But um... Oh, that... back in the days when um, there was when politicians could be trusted. Um, <laughs> not if you were their wife, though. 
Uh, so anyway, our Thai friend, um, I, I think he probably ranks in the middle of Bizarre fans. Yeah, right. I mean, so, yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I'd say middle. I think he's probably just like bottom of the top half. I think he's your, uh, he's your, I'm trying to think who that is. Everton. Now. Probably Arsenal now. <laughs> you're Everton. Um, Everton, yeah, I, you're, you're Everton. I, I, anything that's in the middle of the pack, I just refer to as Everton. That's Fair right. Everton. Bland lineal yeah. title holders. Right, Mr. Day, um, let's hear fact number three. Fact number three, I've got no idea what we're going to talk about for the next five minutes based on this, but we give it a bash. Um, in 1908, Newcastle Club photographer Gladstone Adams invented the windscreen wiper. That's nice. Uh, it was on his way back from the FA Cup final between Newcastle and Wolves, um, which he played at Crystal Palace. Uh, on the 23rd of April, 1908. And it was snowing on his way home and he had a brainwave and invented the windscreen wiper. Which my first thought there is, it was snowing on the 23rd of April. Indeed. Which, well, wasn't like, that a I mean, huge snowfall about four years back? That was end of March, beginning of April here, right? There, there was definitely a lot of snow in March three or four years ago, yes. Okay, um, yeah, back yeah. end of March. You're right, back end of March. Yeah, but, I, I could, yeah, there definitely was. But 23rd of April, that's very late snow, isn't it? That, that, yeah. Sort of record, surely, down yeah, south. But, well, yes, but from this from this adverse weather um, came Gladstone... Ad- I, keep, I keep trying to call him Gladstone Small. But Gladstone Adams... Yeah. Um, invented the windscreen wiper and Gladstone Adams also invented the sliding rowing seat which oh, so before the sliding rowing seat presumably your, your seat didn't slide which would have made rowing contests very very slow wouldn't it <laughs> your seat didn't slide um, and he also invented the trafficator what which is which is um, you still you might occasionally see it on vehicles now it's like an in, it's like a indicator on a car or vehicle but instead of being a light it's like a little bit of plastic or wood that comes down from the side of the car and protrudes from the side of the car to oh, indicate the way yes. you're going yeah i've um, seen those which, which... 1930s new york movie type things yes well yes but you'll only have seen them in films after gladstone adams invented it in very nice. So Gladstone yeah. Adams, his his association, he was the club photographer. Yes, and he was a photographer. And apparently he drove to the game and apparently cars were so sort of thin on the ground back then that a local um, a local company asked for him to display his car in their forecourt for the duration <laughs> of the game so people could come and have their photo taken with it. Fucking look at that. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. laughing. <laughs> There wasn't some like Scallies trying to um, charge him, <laughs> charge him half a shilling to look after his car for um, three hours. So I remember that. I remember that happening to us um, at Ibrox. Rangers Motherwell, I think it was. And uh, no, actually, it was Rangers versus Stenhouse Muir in the Scottish Cup. We couldn't get, we couldn't get in though. We couldn't get tickets, and then we we left. And I think Rangers eight uh, nil or something, but. Uh, um, and yeah, I, I was absolutely distraught at the age of eight. Uh, the scallies that we paid a pound to look after our cars 
um, weren't there um, at 3.05 to um, disappointed in not getting in the game. Not only that, our car had not been looked after by the scabbies. Was, uh, as, as an 89 year old, this is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have encountered it a couple of times at games, but this is a third party story that someone once told me. That they, they sort of parked up. I think, I'm going to say it was at Everton. I could be wrong. They parked up at Everton and got approached. We're, yeah, we'll look after your car for, for a fiver. And he said, No, it's all right. It's all right, mate. Um, my car's got central locking. To which the kids said, Yeah, but it don't put out fires, does it? <laughs> Fair enough. At which point, I think I'll be like, Yeah, I, I think I'll find somewhere else to park at this point. Yeah. I might look. I might, I might look elsewhere for my parking. Wow! 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 Fire! So, yeah, I don't know if it's still a thing. I don't know if this is still a thing. And why? Mm. It's only a football thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You, I you know, like, go, like, at the opera. <laughs> yeah. Why well, no, I meant you're going to like a town, sort of city centre, and parking up? <laughs> you wouldn't get someone. I'll look after your car for two quid. <laughs> no. No. So. So, so that's the. Sorry, yeah, it's yeah. the second kind of inventor we've had because we had Herbert Chapman. Well, did he invent? Was it floodlight? Was that one? Um, he invented various things. He had the um, turnstiles. He pioneered. Yeah, he didn't invent floodlights. He pioneered them, and he okay. sort of um, he got them installed and whatever. And there's a couple of other things. Scoreboards, I think, was one another one of oh, his. Okay, okay. So I'm glad Dan Adams wins that. You know, we, you know nominate a winner. I think Gladstone Adams wins that little battle. I mean... No, I don't, because Herbert Chapman no. manager at the time. Uh, fair to enough, me, that, fair that trumps being the club photographer because in 1908, what did the club photographer do? This is true. This is true. Probably sketched the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took a photo at each game, didn't they? Did he have, like, the... Um, this The thing where you put, like, the black sheet over you, hand in the air, and then oh. there's a big little... Then there's a little path. <laughs> Ask the players to stand still for a minute. I mean, I I, I don't know what the club photographer did back then. Fair no, no Herbert Chapman's beating him. Sorry, sorry, Gladstone. <laughs> so, Mr. Day, uh, obviously the lineal title, obviously Manchester United now. What do we think? Newcastle United, any danger of them taking over? No, I, I think it's been quite a Spursy performance by Newcastle. <laughs> These... I think they're sort of not yeah, the, the big boys aren't threatened, but but they've sort of up a mid table, done all right, not going to win a trophy. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's some good facts. But, some good facts. Yeah. A fairly bizarre fan. Uh, yeah, Vince McMahon, you know, that's a good conversation piece. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with Newcastle United, but it was a good conversation piece. I no. just feel last time we had. Eric Cantona and his underpants going round the cage. That that that's better for me. And also talk, talking about Roy Hodgson, that was also quite an exciting moment for me. And on the subject of Roy Hodgson, that reminds me: why don't Crystal Palace have hard fans? Because Crystal Roy Hodgson's from Croydon. Croydon is it's a pretty what, rough area. Roy Hodgson's from Croydon, and he's hard. So why don't Crystal Palace <laughs> have? <laughs> it's a pretty rough area and you know you think about teams who've got the reputation for kind of having the toughest fan you know you, yep. your, your Leeds Millwall Sunderland you know they're using you know areas 
uh, area is going to be quite tough. You know, Croydon, I would have thought Crystal Palace think they'd have some, you know, quite a lot of hard fat, but they don't really, do they? Well, it might have been different if Colonel Gaddafi had taken over. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. And Palace fans... Uh, have... No, no, you're quite right, though, because I've always thought... Um... Whenever you see Palace fans on TV, it seems quite a good atmosphere at Salas Park. And that's um, what I was about to say. They've had a bit of a, a renaissance, uh, and that's the right. But, you know, when I, I've been to Selhurst Park, okay, admittedly a couple of them for Wimbledon games, but you know, I went a few times in the yeah. early 90s. I always thought the atmosphere was a bit dead. Um, whereas Palace fans, it looks like it's always kicking, you know, it's like like Southampton at the Dell, that kind of like small and always a great atmosphere that yeah you know they i don't know what's happened but i think I feel like over the last I, few years they pushed on i think and I, I i'm not this isn't a fact i get the impression they've created a singing area there there always right. seems to be a step behind the goal on the camera side behind the goal on the left that is always really sort of bouncing and really uh, vocal Palace ultras, the flags and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. and it's always possibly. in the same bit of the ground, isn't it? I think they might create, like... I know it's a good idea, it might... I mean, I don't know how it translates. I don't know how Palace's home results compare to teams of their ilk, but um, it seems like a good idea for making it a better atmosphere and making it a more fun experience. Yeah, the atmosphere at Hillsborough um, is generally um, pretty... And that's amazing for the big games, but, um, but weak and... <laughs> You don't have them anymore. So. On Saturday, yeah, no, true. Um, on Saturday, yeah, it was behind the goal, right at the back, as you'd expect. You know, quite a few families there. And, and up, you know, when the players came out, you know, just sat in their chairs and, and clapped and just like, oh, wow. Well, yeah, I suppose when nice. you have, you know, disperses the singers, the people who want to get involved. And, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I have to admit, I, I sometimes struggle to be bothered to stand up when we score a goal. I like it. As long as you're not in the main singer, the goal, um, where, where the, that's, which is usually where people go for, for a bit of a sing. Yeah, not a Gillingham. Not a Gillingham. It's just pretty really quiet. Really Although I did notice we, we lost 7 2 at home last week. And that's at it. one point, we were 5 0 down. Well, we're 5 0 down and 6 1 down, respectively. And both times we scored a goal, you could see people cheering behind the goal, like proper, yeah. like, eh. You're like, come on, mate. I know there, there might be a degree of irony here, but right. I, I don't think I can be bothered to clap. If I, I don't think I can be bothered <laughs> to move. If we if we right. made it five one with twenty minutes to go, I don't think I can be bothered to. You're a hard man, please. It. You're a hard no. man, please. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I just don't want to lose seven two at home. Anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay. United are still our lineal title holders. Please come and join us next week to see if City can knock them off their perch. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye-bye.